What's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep track of the days of the week. And by the way, how do you get the show started with Zach Pascal with that hype video? And you guys know that during the Eagle season, I love to bring the hype. And tonight, we are definitely bringing the hype. Full house tonight as everybody's back, and even the Godfather is back from being on assignment on Tuesday. Got his assignment done. What is it? I don't know. Maybe he'll reveal it when he comes on here. But our first lady here that we've had the pleasure of having on before, we're going to have on again, Leslie Goodell with us here tonight on episode 126, and Chris back from the Drunks Phil's fans. So you guys are in tune, or at least are going to have a great evening with us as we have a lot of things going over. First of all, Miles Sanders, the critics are expecting to have a breakout year, along with, as we just showed you, Zach Paschal coming on uh, to the Eagles. He has a great relationship with Nick Sirianni, so it's good to see that he is here in Philly, which might end up saying things about the Colts, whether they decide to bail, to, I don't know, leave, whatever you want to call it, but at least he is here. That is a great thing. Also, the Eagles agreed to terms with Fletcher Cox, with Boston Scott, Anthony Harris on a one-year deal. So after Fletcher Cox was gone, they bring him back. So a lot of moves going on. We'll get into the Deshaun Watson news. We'll get into some Tyreek Hill news. Possibly Baker Mayfield going to Pittsburgh. So much stuff going on. And tomorrow night, my debut as a broadcaster for the Tampa Bay Titans. And I know Fuji loves Tampa Bay. So I do it just for him and for Broad Street South. But tomorrow night, if you live in the Tampa area and want to come down, to the high school in Tampa. And I'll give you all the details here in a little bit. But uh, coming on, the game starts at 7.30 with the Tampa Bay Titans. It should be a good matchup. And then a game again on Sunday. And then there's an air show down here in Tampa. So if you do live in the Tampa area, you'll be awarded to a uh, air show on Saturday and Sunday. So lots going on, lots to talk about. But with all that being said, we can't wait to get the show underway. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again from overseas, here stateside, and even down in the Brazilian countryside. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Angel. This is Brossery South. It's usually Gene Gene, the dancing machine. I don't know what I want to call him tonight, but <laughs> nevertheless, it's always Mike Fuji, also known as the Godfather. <laughs> what's happening what is going on what a crazy week in philly Derek barnett signing the two-year contract today welcome nick nick castellanos kyle swerver into the phillies fall march madness called Giroux exit and angel how are you let's get the party rocking with miss cadell tonight what's going on no listen other than a rainy day just like it is down here live in the lg direct sales solution studios as it was in philly today from what i understand it was i don't want to say it's a monsoon but it was also been but thankfully it wasn't but you know nice weather still overall so i can't complain too much and for those also who want to call in the philly sports trips.com hotline is open at 813-553-1130 once again 813-553-1130 but uh listen uh, uh, it's gonna be a fun time to talk to Leslie. And I don't want to waste too much more time to make sure we get the rest of the folks in here. The national correspondent, also known as the ring chaser by Fuji. Not by me, but by Fuji. It is Ryan Neff. Ryan, what's going on? <laughs> a lot to talk about. Eagles, Phillies in full swing now. Got to talk about the Flyers, too, with Drew leaving. A um, lot to talk about in Philly sports this week. They're They're, they're busy. Yep, it is extremely busy. And here as well from the Drunk Phil's fans, you guys, we saw him on Tuesday night for his debut. Back again tonight with us. It is Chris. Chris, how are you this evening? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, at least the Phillies didn't lose today. You know, that's the <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Hoskins hit a homer and Nola gave up too, but uh, we didn't lose. No, that's a good thing. Chris, thanks for coming on. Sure. That is definitely a good thing. I see the comments already coming in, but as I do the normal instruction with everyone else, and I'll do the same for Leslie Goodell. You guys know her. You guys love her from her days from Comcast Sportsnet. Going back, and I did try to get her good friend to come on with us tonight. He's a little busy, and I'll let her know exactly who I reached out to. But if you guys want to follow Leslie, as we've done for many, many years, we continue to follow her right there on Twitter, as you guys can see, at Leslie Goodell. G-U-D-E-L. So with that being said, let us bring on the guest of the evening. It is Leslie. How are you this evening? And thank you for coming back on the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. I got to say something before I forget. Ryan, has anybody ever told you you look like Mike Mayock? 
<laughs> oh my god, I that's the first I've ever heard of that one. <laughs> wow. that? Okay, well, I just saw for whatever reason, I just saw a picture of Mike somewhere on the news today. And anyway, I was looking <laughs> with the beard, of course, a little yeah. different. I can I can see that yeah resemblance definitely yeah move the just, hair from here up to here and well. right. <laughs> I just I just don't have the accent yeah <laughs> hey he's, he's a local guy right I think from Delaware County I believe yeah yeah mm -hmm. thanks for coming on Leslie we, we of appreciate course, your of time. course thanks for having me guys thank you no problem whatsoever and uh also, before, let me say this for a moment because I do want to talk about a different kind of safe, and that is the Save the Date coming up here May 31st. Not too far away, Leslie. And it's the second annual Kendall's Crusade, a one-arm golf challenge. And last year was a major, major hit. So before we get into everything else tonight, I want you to tell the fine folks how much of an experience it was last year. And as soon as it was over, you already announced you were going to have a second annual. Yeah, so my daughter leaves for college. It's named after Kendall because Kendall's the one with the AVM in her brain. It's a vascular malformation that caused her to have a stroke when she was 10. And um, and Kendall uh, doesn't have use of her left hand. So she adapted to golfing with her right hand. It went viral. Nick Faldo uh, was sending in one-arm golf challenges, and, and we decided to have a, a golf tournament. And, you know, the interesting part about it is that it was, you know, I knew it was kind of gimmicky. I'm going to have everybody golf one-handed, nine holes. And it turned out to be one of the greatest opportunities for awareness. People were coming off of the course saying, oh, my gosh, it's so hard to be one-handed and to do everything one-handed. And we even challenged some people to try to go the whole day without using two hands for anything, um, but even just golfing. So, it was such a hit that we wanted to do another one before Kendall went off to um, where Kendall went off to college. And so that's what we ended up. We scheduled it and we're all set to go in May. Well, that's definitely a good thing. We lost your camera feed there. So in case you happen to see it, well, it'll, it'll probably not come back. Yeah. I have one of those computers. It's ready to explode on me. <laughs> so if, if, I if you lose me, I promise I'll be right back. No problem. It's all right. We understand. No big deal. And I see already Redline Radio LLC in the house there. Dave Wallencheck, what's going on? Uh, sorry I missed the show on Sunday, but you guys, I did see the replay. Great show there with Adam Bittner on Sunday. So good job by you guys. Joey B, always. Fuji, Angel, Nev, Chris. And with Debbie in the other room, of course, and over at Studio B. So we always enjoy the fellas coming back here. But so some interesting news, obviously, out of the Eagles camp where apparently – Nick Sirianni wanted Zach Pascal to be here. And there's a clip that I have about Zach. And in his during his press conference, you know, it, it sounded like he was really excited when Nick had reached out to him and said, Hey, how about coming down to Philly? Which obviously he did. And now being here, he's embracing it. And just like uh, Hassan reached out, he reached out to Jalen Hurts to let him know as far as what he wants to do. Uh, but it's good to see that the Eagles are at least trying to make some moves to help out Jalen Hurts. And I know we didn't have the opportunity to have you on during the, uh, the season last year to talk about Jalen, but I like, oh, and she'll come right back. But I, uh, I'll wait for Leslie to come back because I was mm. talking about the, uh, obviously about Jalen Hurts and everything else, but we'll wait and see. She's almost back. Nope, it'll come back here momentarily. So uh, that's right. She'll come right back. Neff in the Blackhawks jersey. <laughs> we'll talk about that. So. I'll I'll let you explain, Neff, as we wait for Leslie to come back. The reason I became a Chicago Blackhawks fan is I had a roommate at college that lived in Chicago, and I went home with him uh, for a weekend to get away. And I went to the United or the old uh, Chicago Stadium that the Blackhawks played in. This was back in 1988, and I sort of fell in love with the team, and that's how I got you know following hockey, and they've just been my team ever since. Cool. Yeah. Showing your age, are you? A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Sorry, it happens. <laughs> it happens. We'll wait for Leslie to come back on. Looks like she signed out, so she'll come back in here momentarily. But uh, And um, I'll bring it back up as well before we get into uh, as far as Zach Pascal, Did anyone happen to see the opportunity and or the photos or video coming out of Mile House Stadium, which apparently caught on fire today? Mm -hmm. I think no, it was the Seahawks know. fan that did that. Yeah, it kind of suspicious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a Seahawks fan. I think you need to look into that. Yeah, First because you can't figure out it. Really? Yeah. No, it was, uh, Teddy, Brid Teddy Bridgewater. 
no, no. Well, it could be too, but I, I just, I find it kind of interesting because where the fire is, it, it's, it wasn't around the actual suites. They said it was below it. So it was in, in the, in the seats where it's nothing but concrete. There's nothing electrical there. So I thought it was kind of suspicious. I mean, I, they haven't mentioned anything else about it, but I'm pretty sure they're bringing it on. Let's see if we can get the audio stream back from Les. Les, can you hear us? I can hear you guys just fine. I'm so sorry. I can't figure out why I'm trying to start the camera. Oh, and she went away again. <laughs> Maybe um, she just doesn't want to look at us. Just <laughs> makes sense. I mean, I can't blame her. I keep trying to get the darn camera up, and I apologize that it's not working. I have no idea what's going on. No, no, it's all right. Well, if you want to, as we're having a little conversation here, sometimes, believe it or not, restarting the PC, it might do it. So if you want to restart your computer and come back on with us, we'll still be here. I can try that. Okay, why don't you guys go ahead and do your thing for a minute? I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> well, just just to touch on the news today with the Eagles bringing Derek Barnett back on a two um, two two year contract. I know I wasn't happy about it, but when you break it down, it's probably for depth purposes on that defensive line. So, but they had to do I'm something. Not... We had we had talked about it beforehand, and they they knew they had to do something. So it's it's it's. You no, know what it is? It's it's just the penalties, you know, eight times offsides last year and, and two sacks, which to me really you shouldn't be back, but you know, I believe in the Eagles really don't have much money to play with. You know, they, they don't. locked up they locked up their own guys, so you know, plus bringing in Hassan Reddick, but it's just very disappointing that Howie didn't go out and bring in a, a top flight receiver. Because to me, Jalen Hurts isn't getting the support that he needs. I mean, all right, Zach Pascal, nice, nice slot receiver, but you know, Juju Smith, may I'd go after Jarvis Landry. I mean, the rumor is now Devontae Parker, which was reported today, could fit under the uh, cap with his salary for the next two years. So that would be a nice additional piece for Jalen Hurts. But I think the Eagles are just going to go out and draft the quarterback this year. I mean, I don't understand the Barnett signing either. He hasn't done anything since his rookie year, and you well, just talked just about like, the penalties. Well, well and, just like and, I said, why not go after DK Metcalf? I mean, he's out there, right? I mean, if they really want to make a splash and bring in a, a good, the guy, the guy's got four three speed. The guy weighs like two hundred thirty pounds. He's six three. You know, bring him in. Bring him into Philly. I mean, I don't know why they're. So someone I don't know asked what him weight. to go. Someone asked him to, if he wanted to go to KC since uh, Hill left, and he said he doesn't like the cold weather. So I, I don't think that uh, Philly will fit that either. Um, but he said oh, that today. Well, there's also rumor about him wanting to go to Green Bay as well. So as you squash that, yeah, it's yeah. null and void there pretty much. Well, and then um, you're the only place you have three choices, Jacksonville, Tampa, Miami. I mean, if, if you're looking or for someone warm. Yeah, Las or, Vegas. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. I, I don't think anybody wants to go. Well, Jacksonville. I mean, they spent the most money in free agency so far. So far, yeah, and, and that's because of Dougie P. So that's every reason why, he, as he's trying to rebuild it, which I I still believe that I don't care who says what. To me, the Jaguars are still going to become and still end up in London. They're going to be the London Jaguars, no matter which way you look at. It, it's going to end up being the London Jaguars. All right, let's see. We got Leslie back here. All right, it's round two with Leslie. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right, listen, no problem. problem. It happens. It happens. So we, uh, as we left off, we're talking about the, the Eagles here, and obviously for Zach Pascal coming back, or at least coming here, thanks to Nick Sirianni, he said the relationship that he had with Nick was really special, and Nick was really, uh, during his press conference, that Nick gets on the guys as far as, like, where, even to, to the point where, they, where he wants their toes pointed in direction, meaning of the play. So I thought it was kind of interesting that he had, you know, he had mentioned that because we, there was the things that you, a lot of times you don't get to hear from different reporters. And obviously with everyone not being allowed back in the locker room, it makes it kind of hard doing the zoom calls and everything else this year, the Phillies are trying to change that being the only team so far allowing, if you're vaccinated, uh, I don't think you had to wear a mask, but I think if you're vaccinated, you're allowed to come back into the locker room. But it was nice to hear it was Zach Pascal talk about uh, as far as leaving the coach and then coming here to Philly, the change and how he feels coming here. And I do have a clip down the plane here in a minute, but I'd like to get your take on, on how do you believe that Zach will fit here for Jalen Hurts? Are you waiting That's, for I'm sorry, you're talking to me. 
Yes, Leslie. Sorry, sorry. No problem. Um, that is a very good question. I mean, this is where you're you're going to stump me. This is where I was saying to Mike, you're going to get me like on Eagles talk and and uh, <laughs> not my strong suit right now. So I hate to go out on a limb and say anything that that doesn't that doesn't fit uh, you know what any of my depth of knowledge at the moment. No, no. Listen, it's fine. It's no worries. Believe me. And and, and I'm not looking for anything in depth because we know that, that you know the Eagles during the offseason, a lot of folks, including myself, because it's kind of hard as other teams and other things are rolling around. It makes it a little bit difficult to keep up with everything that, that happens, especially be down here in Tampa to get everything back home makes it even tougher a little bit. Right. No, what I would say is, I mean, the interesting part about somebody like Sirianni is, um, you know, the, the difference in, in coaching styles, I think we're seeing really drastic differences in coaching styles everywhere across every sport, right? Where you have uh, the old school guys, older guys who do things um, in ways that a lot of the younger guys are not doing them. That can work in their favor uh, at times. And then other times you've got Guys, younger guys who maybe that new style isn't going to fit for everybody. So that's the part that I think is an X factor for anybody coming in. Is the Sirianni style going to work for them? And, right. you know, and, and let's face it, not every guy fits with every coach, even in, in winning cities or winning teams. No, that's absolutely true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play, well, <clears throat> two clips I'm going to play here back to back. One is obviously him introducing himself here to the Philly fans. And then the other one, as far as being here in Philly. So the first one that everyone's going to see here, thanks in courtesy to PhilippeEagles.com. You guys will get to see his reaction originally when he signed a contract and then about being here in Philly, part of this press conference. Hey, Philly fans, it's Zach Pascal. Excited to be in Philly, ready to get to work. Go Birds. Uh, no, I entered free agency, you know, just, you know, trying to get better at, at my craft. Didn't know where I was going, where I wanted to go. Um, but, you know, hearing from Nick, talking to Nick, and um, just the conversations that we had, you know, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be in Philly. I'm excited to get to work and, you know, help this help this team in any way that I can. I think the funny part about that is, and you can see it's it's more being humble. It, it's not a whole lot of bragging. There's not a lot of boasting. It just seemed like he was humble to be called by Nick Sirianni and then brought to Philadelphia. So it's good to see that it's he's bringing a different culture that Doug once did to come in here and try to make people who want to play in Philly to be here in Philly. He gets it. Hassan Reddick gets it. Obviously, Hassan being right across the river there and coming from Camden and then coming back home, as he said it. You know, when you come here to Philly, and we've talked about this before, we just had Bill Warner on not too long ago, and we spoke about that if you're coming to Philadelphia, you should know that the fans will get on you, but not because of the way the media likes to portray it outside of Philly. It's because we get on you because we know that you can do better. You know, we Jalen Hurts felt it. The Eagles, you know, had been feeling it for years. Philly's especially now because if they don't make that playoff push, as I talked about it with Chris on Tuesday. We know that if they don't make it there, it's going to get a lot harder for Philly fans to get more in touch with this team. So I'm glad that a lot of the, the guys that want to come here to Philadelphia understand the mentality, understand the work ethics, and they, ex, the expectation from the fans. So well, you've been around. Just even listening to him, you can tell he knows what he's walking into. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, I mean, you know, and, and back to what you said, like not even having to know too much about the inside, just having been around. Any, any of these guys, particularly when you're talking about the receiver quarterback combination, right? It's their, it, it's chemistry. It's, it's how, the, it's how they, um, how they relate to each other um, even before they step on the field. If you're okay with playing in Philadelphia and you understand that when fans get on you, you have to shake it off and just go out there and do better, then you're going to be fine. Not everybody's suited for that. How many guys have we seen laid town with their tail between their legs because they can't handle it? <laughs> ben Simmons. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's, you know, as Brian Dawkins always said, you better bring your lunch pail because yeah. you got to be thick-skinned to play in this city. And the I mean, Phillies just picked up two guys who are totally okay. that um, okay. that way, right? I mean, Carl exactly. Schwarzer's agent is Kent Merker. You guys may remember Merck. who. And many other teams in his like, 17 year career. So he's Schwarber's agent. He's like, he said the other day, they are going to love Schwarber and he's going to love playing in Philadelphia. 
that mentality is important when you come into this city. And I don't care yeah. if you're, you're Zach Pascal, if you're Kyle Schwarber, whoever, if you don't have that kind of mentality coming into the city of Philadelphia, then then you're not it, you're not going to last here. I mean, could two better guys come into the Phillies than Schwerber yeah. and Castellanos? No. Like the attitude and yeah. the swagger. They, they've they won before, they're winners, and they have some yeah. type of That's swagger about them. Won. That's the thing. That's one of the well, things. He wants, yeah. but he's eager to, right? Um, so, I mean, we saw, we've seen that plenty of times where guys come here and they haven't won before and they're hungry too, and you see that. Um, but yes, you're so right, Chris. It's It's very much a... Um, the mentality fits perfectly for both of those guys. Yeah. Well, as Castellanos said, I don't have a college degree. I hit baseballs. I mean, that was beautiful. Could that be a, a more time. Philadelphia blue collar statement? I mean, yeah. oh, loved it. Amen to that. It's always dirty. It's all the same, you know. Yeah. All the same right. thing. No, it's absolutely true. And I'm, I'm trying to find here where, and I'll have to, I'll have to bring it up. Uh, as we go along, but uh, as you brought up Ben Simmons, so Charlie Manuel was here last week with Philly Sports Trips, and uh, we ended up having a, a great time with Charlie. I still have to put up the interview up there. It was about 37 minutes long. Great time with Charlie. It was fun to thank him for what he did for the organization, and it was as I same thing. Chris was there as well, and it was yeah. it's funny when Chris and I were talking about it. When Charlie talks about himself, he never talks about himself like you know. It, it's never about me. It's always about the fans. It's always about the city. It's all about baseball. And it was great to hear him at the age of 78. He talks about himself like he's still trying out for this team. He's like, I told the Phillies I, I should be their batting coach. They should listen to me. And I'm thinking, Charlie, we're all listening to you. There's about 300 of us here listening to what you're saying. But it's a, it, what he said about Ben Simmons was absolute classic. We ended up getting a lot of people laughing. So if I get the opportunity, I end up uploading here so you can hear uh, what was said about that. And I also find it interesting with Ben, once again, that now it's a – his lower back slash spine, which means that they won't see him in New York, which also means to me, and I could be wrong, Leslie, but he does not want to be on this East coast. He prefers to be on the West coast. So I think the same shenanigans he did in Philly, he's going to do with New York to eventually get to where he wants to be. I don't think he's ever going to be anything again, ever. I don't know that he's ever amounted to much of anything. I mean, I, I've never been a fan. I don't, I don't like guys who play the way he does though. Um, Charlie Manuel, on the other hand, is a is one of those guys who had to listen to Phillies fans get on him. Remember when he first came to Philadelphia and how right. everyone beat the hell out of him because of his um, because of his his country bumpkin accent, right? Uh -huh. and, and it didn't phase him. I mean, he's like, I am who I am. I'm going to go out and do my thing. And those are the guys who, you know, maybe we don't see them for who they are up front because we, you know, we judge, uh, we're quick to judge. But Charlie just stayed the course and and stuck it, he stuck it, stuck it in there, and just stayed, you know, he just stayed true to who he was. And that is another thing I think Philly fans love, right? Is guys who stay true to who they are, and Charlie always did. Of course, when yeah. he helped. When <laughs> going back, when Ed Ed Wade hired. Charlie, I mean, Jim Leland was the popular pick among the fans. And, you know, nobody wanted Charlie at that time. Just like you said, his layback approach. But, you know, 2008, he, you know, brought the Phillies World Series, broke the 25-year drought of Philadelphia not winning anything. So, you know, the guy knows baseball. He's a player's manager. You know, he led the Phillies to one of the best runs in – franchise history and you know just just an amazing man well and being a player's manager is one thing right but being a guy who knows his own shortcomings and hires people to fill those voids the rich movies of the world right the the just the i thought rich was you know terrific when when he was with the phillies um as a pitching coach and i think that um there's a lot of other guys who he got to do pete mccannon you know, no one ever really thinks of the bench coach as being as valuable as they are. But Pete McCannon, when he was oh. his bench coach, I mean, they're, they're Charles, it, it's like any good, it's similar to a good corporation or a good manager, right? If you have a good manager, the manager puts people in place that know what they're doing and then lets them go do their job. Charlie was very good at that when it came to hiring coaches and hiring, you know, 
the people who would support him. Um, and he did what he did best. And, you know, that was, that was manage players individually and know how to be a, a good manager for each guy. He didn't call guys out. He didn't humiliate them. He only really jacked it up, um, you know, with his temper, which he had much, you know, greater when he was younger and learned how to control it. But he only did that periodically because he knew that if he did it all the time, it wasn't going to be effective. So um, he can read a crowd. Oh, going back to 2008, he brought Jimmy Williams in as his bench coach who, you know, had plenty of experience, and they brought Davey Loops in to be the first base coach. So you talk about a lot of knowledge of old-school baseball, you know, to help yeah. that coaching staff to bring that World Series in 08. Yeah, yep, Absolutely. He did. I want to. I got the clip here when uh, Charlie was asked uh, about Ben Simmons. No way. <laughs> I didn't say nothing to him. <laughs> Charlie, do you have an opinion about Ben Simmons with the Sixers? <laughs> 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 the only thing, you know what? I, I would love to play with Ben Simmons if I was a basketball player because he don't like to shoot, so I'd take a shot. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. It was uh, it was great question that was asked. Came out of nowhere because we're you know everybody was asking random questions and everything else, but it was good to hear. They also asked him about Howard Eskin, and he and people kept saying, "No cameras, no cameras, nowhere. You can say whatever you want to, Charlie. There's no cameras." And even though I did have my camera rolling because I was recording the entire interview, uh, I didn't I didn't turn it off only because in Charlie fashion, he's never going to degrade anyone. And as much as he possibly could with Howard, but he, he had some, he had good words. He had, you know, he, he didn't curse him out or anything else like that. He had some good choice words for Howard Eskin, but it was fun when he heard about it. And then we get to hear the Jimmy Rollins story. And like I said, I'll have the video up completely, but he told one story about Jimmy Rollins where Jimmy said, uh, you know, Jimmy comes up to the bench and he tells me, uh, Hey, Charlie, you know, I tried to hit the ball pretty hard. And I, I mean, it didn't get exactly where I went. And all I'm thinking is like, yeah, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. And Jimmy's still talking and it's like, all right, and, well, Charlie, I'll try next time. He's all right. Jimmy walks away. He goes, I have no clue what Jimmy just told me. I'm just telling him, yeah, Jimmy, because I have no idea what you're saying. I'm paying attention to everything that was going on. So it, it's just, those are stories. It's like you've seen your favorite band when it's like in, in a small group, like let's say, about, you know, 50 or 60 folks with Charlie being there. And, and again, getting to see the amazing run he did with the Phillies, put his complete soul into it, still does. But hearing all the stories that he had told, absolutely loves Jimmy Rollins, thought the world of Ryan Howard. And uh, the same way with Chase Utley, I mean, he couldn't speak about anyone in a negative manner because he tried to bring the best out of everybody. And as Chris and I found out, which I thought was, it was surprising, and well, since Fuji and the rest of the gang weren't here, between Jim Tomey and Ryan Howard, who had the most home runs? Under Charlie Manuel. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. It had to be Ryan, wasn't it? Oh, under Charlie Manuel when he was yeah. with the Indians. Yeah. Oh, then Jim Tomey. Yeah. 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 Jim Tomey by one, just by one home run. Really? Was, yeah, between him and Ryan Howard. So, and it was it was a prize. So I will have it up there on our on our website. Uh, hopefully by the end of of this week. There's so many things that have been going on, but I'll have it up there. But it was it again. Those are things that that you end up missing. And I hope that Charlie keeps up that entire spirit until the day he can't do it any longer. But as he said, it, it's his 60th year in baseball. That's, I mean, a great part of your lifetime doing what you love. And still, Leslie, to this day, he's just so sharp. No matter what question you ask him, no matter. And he went around to everybody in the entire group just to say, hello, how you doing? And everyone was just yeah. thanked him and just joyous of him being there. But it's just, Charlie is just an extraordinary man. And and the only thing that would have been the icing and cake would have been Harry Callis. God bless him if he was still alive, but it would have been great to see them both there at the same venue. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's got such a great sense of humor. I remember somebody telling me the story about commenting on a particular player that was fairly slow around the base pass. And the, the guy said to Charlie, you know, guy, as my dad would say, he runs like he's got a piano on his back. And Charlie said, yeah, but you have to stop and play it. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's <laughs> always, he's so quick. And that's what I used to say to people all the time. You, 
funny people aren't stupid, right? If you know somebody who's funny, they're usually pretty intelligent. You know, it's it's hard to have a good intellectual funny, you know, or a, a good ability to throw out one-liners and and not be somewhat smart. And you know, Charlie Charlie's um Charlie's one of my favorite people. I mean, to this day, I still get people come up to me and talk about the interview I did with him after the NLCS, right after his mother died. Um, he, well, against the when they when they beat the Dodgers and and he um, he he was always just real honest and and who he was and what I love about that team is well first of all I came in I was here reporting on the team before Jimmy Rollins got there and then I went out with Ryan Howard so I bookended the entire 2008 mm-hmm. team with my career so I I feel you know um, obviously a lot of affection towards that team. And each guy had his personality. Each guy had his role. Um, spoke with Chase Sutley last spring. Um, you know, they're all still keep in touch. They all still see each other. A lot of these guys golf together. I spoke with Shane Victorino about six months ago. Um, you know, these are people who, um, you know, we all did the same. It, it, it kind of reminded me, we all did this to get the job together. I just, you know, did something different. I was just on the other side, but it was just awesome to be able to to be part of that whole run and each person brought a personality to the table. Um, it was great. Now, I want to ask Fujie before you, you get into your question here, cause this you're going to liken this one as well. When we had, when we had the opportunity of seeing you and just remember your question, Fuji, when we had the opportunity to see you, which I flew from Philly or from Tampa, sorry, up to Philly to see the Brian Dawkins signing and yeah. then having both you guys in the same room. And I know there was an event before, I believe the night before you end up doing an interview, if I remember correctly with Brian. So it was, even though I was happy to see B-Doc, Fuji's seen him about, I think that was his sixth time seeing B-Doc, but it was great to even see you in the room because as, again, as fans of Philadelphia, for the sportscasters have been around, like yourself, Derek Gunn, Neil Hartman. I mean, all you, you know, all you guys, and I, I did see you ran into him not too long ago as well, Neil Hartman. Yeah, I ran into Neil last summer at the shore. It was great. So, you know, it's it's good to see. It was good to see you in the room along with Brian Dawkins because it, it gave you that Comcast Sportsnet feeling when you guys both being there. Even though you were extremely busy, we know you were taking care of business stuff, but it was great to see. What I would like to know, what's it like to not just as much as talk to Brian Dawkins because you know the energy that he brings, you know, all the faith that he has. But one-on-one, when you get the opportunity away from the camera, where he can either give you some, you know, just something either inspirational or something just to let you know, hey, Leslie, you know, it's it's not going to be all bad. It's going to be good. What's it like to talk to B-Doc off camera? Well, I mean, uh, I had dinner with him the night before that event or the night of the event that Friday night um, we were at Live Philly. And, um, you know, he's just somebody who's very uh, introspective. He's very, uh, we were with someone else at dinner as well, but it was the three of us. And you know, he's, he's a man of deep faith. He is, and he lives by that. It's not just, you know, what you're hearing, everything you hear from Brian on the outside is what you hear from Brian when you're talking to him one-on-one. Um, he's, he's really passionate about sharing his message and what he's been through and how he, um, how he speaks to people. I think the most remarkable thing for me was watching two different people at that event, one the night before under Literally, you changed my life. And one of them, the night before, the guy had said he had been an alcoholic and he heard Brian talk uh, 10 years ago. And he said, you know what? It was listening to you speak that made me want to change what I was doing with my life. And he had brought him a, a you know, a heartfelt card that he had written. Um, I have no idea what it said, but it was clear that there was a real connection between Brian and that guy because, you know, Brian wanted to continue to help him in whatever way he could. And then the guy the next day who said, you know, when I met you several years ago and I heard you speak, you just, um, I was on a path to nowhere and I've just changed my life around. I I'm somebody now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm productive and, and doing really great in my job. And it was all because of what I heard you say. I mean, you know, imagine what that feeling is like to know that you could impact individuals in that way. And that's that's the way Brian, you know, when you talk, it's it's speaking to Brian is listening to what he has to say, because his 
his, uh, what he has to say is going to be insightful. Fuji? Zero's just a chance to shift gears a little. I was, I did work for the Phillies as a game day employee for 16 years. So I had a taste of the world series myself, along with you, Leslie, and all those guys. But just as you were saying with Brian Dawkins, you know, it's not just a rah-rah guy on the field. I mean, I had the privilege to go to Canton when he retired in 2018 and the Hall of Fame. And if you really watch his speech, as you said, the man through a lot went through a lot. You know, he talked about suicide, which I could actually say I tried that myself a long time ago. And I, you know, just find Brian Dawkins to be, as I said, not just the guy on the field, but the guy off the field. The guy just brings a beautiful message. Just to, you know, I talked to him very docile, very down to earth and you know, a lot of people can learn a lot from Brian Dawkins. If there, if you could have, if you could put Brian Dawkins in a, in the world and a lot of people, the world would be a better place. And I'm not trying to exaggerate because the man is so positive. The man yeah. has been to hell and back. Just saying. He humanizes it, Mike. I think right. what he does is he, he makes you not feel like you know you're alone. And I think that that's what. You're seeing a lot of other athletes start to come forward and talk about that, uh, about how they how they just really feel strongly about sharing their mental health issues or their personal tragedies or, or, or things along those lines. It makes them real, right? It, it, right. It, I mean, ha have you ever heard a guy talk about the troubles that he's having off the field or court, besides Ben Simmons, that you... <laughs> That you, you know, you really, you really felt compassion for and felt, um, it, you know, it makes it a little bit harder to, to not so much criticize somebody when they don't play well, but it, it makes you watch what you say. Because, I mean, I have a son who's been raised a Phillies fan and he went at this Phillies player last year. He just, he is, God, he's such a Philadelphia fan and he's standing up at a game and he's yelling stuff. And I said, knock it off. And he's like, why? You know, he sucks or something like that. And I said, because he knows he's not playing well or he knows he's not. And and I just feel like we take it to such an extreme sometimes where, you know, we think that these guys don't care. They're human too, right? And that's really hard for people to accept or want to hear because in some cases they're making millions, but it doesn't mean they don't have their share of struggles as well. Well, true, especially today with social media. Yes. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't, you know, you didn't have Facebook and then had Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. You know, everybody's under a spotlight. All, all it takes is somebody to pull a camera out and you're at the wrong place at right. the wrong time. Like, look at a lot of these athletes that have gotten in trouble either saying something or, you know, domestic violence or being, you know, Plaxico Barrett shooting himself years ago. It's just, yeah. you know, wrong time. Yep. No, I know. And social media, I, I actually feel I've gotten to the point now where I feel sorry for people who sit on social media and just constantly blast people. I, I just think someone I, I, I'm going to get all weird and sappy here, but I kind of believe that if there's one common denominator between everybody in this world, that we all want to be happy. And if someone's not, I always wonder, like, what is it that got them off track? And I actually kind of feel bad for people. And it kind of just allows me to pass it on and not carry it because it can be really ugly out there. Well, it can yes, be. Can. It, it can be, Chris. I'm going to let you come in here in a second, but it, it's absolutely true. And you got to feel bad because and even for, for, even for you guys, just as, as you guys been broadcasters and reporters for years and God forbid you say an opinion to someone and someone misinterprets it. But as long as they got that phone out there and they put it out with a whole different caption, it completely ruins you. And then you have to defend yourself, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know, Angel, if it's just that I've been fortunate, but I, maybe it's just the way, I mean, if you read back through all of my Twitter feed, I, I don't tend to be real controversial. Um, I don't tend to, so I grew up at a time in the business when I was taught that I was a messenger in your home, delivering the news. It wasn't about my opinion. Right. And the way things have changed is that it's all now, 
right? And so there's a drive to be more opinionated. I just never felt that it was, I was so, it was so ingrained in me that I was only a messenger that I always just tried my hardest and always have to just bring that message to whoever it is I'm delivering it to, um, you know, TV, social media, whatever, whatever the case may be. So I've always managed, I haven't had the struggles that some people have had on social media because of the, I think because of that, um, of course I, there's an errant, you know, crappy tech message, you know, tweet or something here or there. And I've taken on a couple of people just because it was entertaining, but it wasn't, you know, it, it's not, it's not something that I had to deal with, but I see a lot of people that have to. Right. Chris. Yeah, no, I just was kind of thinking about uh, when we were talking about coaches and different fields and I'm just thinking about Charlie Manuel is on one end, right? He was more of a, not only not a player's player, but he was also someone who was more, maybe not analytically or analytics weren't coming out yet. And then we swung the pendulum all the other way to Gabe Kapler. Where do we think Joe fits in? Is he a little bit in the middle there or, you know, and that's part one to the question. And part two is where do we feel like the younger players, do they want to be coddled more? Is there a difference to that? And do the Phillies now have more old school players that don't need or want that Nick and Bryce and uh, Kyle, they're they're not about that. I feel, but I'm not, you know, I I don't know. That's a really interesting question actually. So um, I think that to start with the the first part, Charlie of course was not analytical Mm -hmm. at all. We all knew that. Um, And he's an instinct guy. The pendulum swung all the way to the other side. And I can tell you, I have a lot of different uh, friends that, you know, I covered in the 90s who are, you know, guys my age. And I have discussions with them. I have some ongoing tech strings with some guys who are retired major leaguers. And, um, you know, they're old school. And I think we've all kind of agreed that the pendulum is going to swing back and find its place in the middle somewhere. It usually does, right? I mean, we see things go to one extreme and then it kind of comes back and settles in. It doesn't ever go entirely away. Uh, Analytics is not going away. Um, There's going to be something in between. Um, And then, uh, what was the, I already forgot your second, the second question. It was more of like, you know, the the players, are they, are they more college or does Philly? So I think you're right. I think that we are looking at a Phillies team that doesn't have a lot of that, right? I think it's going to be very cool to watch. And as far as Joe Girardi is concerned, so I'm a big Joe Girardi fan. I was a huge, huge proponent of them hiring him. Then I found myself being a little bit disappointed because I just didn't, I started to think, you know, the National League, he's he's a better coach than the American League, right? Like I just, I, I just, I liked him managing the Yankees, I didn't like him managing um, the Phillies last year. I think that we're going to see a little bit of both this year. And I love that now that they have the DH, what's going to happen? And how is that going to change the way Girardi manages? I'm really encouraged, because that's how I start every year. I'm really encouraged at the with the idea that Girardi is going to, we're going to see Girardi shine as a manager more this year, because remember those guys, he grew up playing the old school style, right? That we all love. They've all had to buy into it. I mean, just talk to Ruben tomorrow. You guys talk to him. I mean, Ruben was like analytics, uh, social media. And now Ruben's like, I'm all in. And just, you have to evolve or you get left in the dust. I say this to people my age who aren't doing broadcasting or, or, journalism anymore they go oh the good old days i'm like the good old days they're behind us like you either adjust or 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 just you know you're out and if you don't want to buy into some of it and you don't want to be open-minded enough to learn from a a younger generation that it's going to have something to teach you then you you know how can you ever grow so i do believe that there's a place for it i do believe that joe girardi is trying to embrace it i would like to think that we see him settle in a little bit this year, Chris, and that that's going to, there's going to be a real happy, the pendulum's going to find the middle for Girardi too. Yeah. Do we feel, do you feel that the 93 and 20, you know, this year's team or there's something, is there a new macho row basically? And, and I just kind of feel like that, that bravado is back. 
that in 08, you know, Jimmy brought it when he said, you know, we're going to be the team to beat with the Mets in 07. And eventually we were. Um, but I feel like there's something special going on now. Right. I mean, I can see where you would draw the comparison to the 93 team for sure, because it's got that. I mean, if we're seeing, especially with these two signings and with Harper's mentality, we're seeing that, right? We're seeing a little bit more of, I don't give a mm. shit, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The rest right. of the league thinks, exactly. you know, it, come beat us. And that attitude is going to bode well for this team. Pitching is always, you know, pitching is going to be uh, a, a difference maker as it is all the time, but they're going to score a lot of runs. Schwarber, I think, is going to hit so great in this ballpark. Um, and then, I, you know, if Didi Gregorius is healthy, um, I think that's a big deal, too, with your defense. And there's just some factors that we want to really see come together mm. this year that need to be smoothed out. Yeah, oh. I just read that uh, Bohm is possibly either moving down or on the trade market. And I don't disagree. I think Camargo should get a shot, maybe Gregorius at third and stop at short i mean we had stalker in 93 right so yeah. a young guy can do it it's we're yeah we need I, defense I, there i like foam but i mean i liked foam i i didn't love you know what we saw from him uh towards the end of last year i think um obviously i think we're not giving enough time to him i think he's one of those guys that needs a little bit longer runway for growth um you know send him down maybe and 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 have him get that time there but I his think physical posture is like concerning like every time he's one for 11 and he's showing that he's one for 11 and he's taking yeah. that onto the field and then when he does makes a bad play he's taking to at bat so I, I i is that makeup does that double a or is it a new venue so but what's well, the psychological right i mean yeah. so much of his mentality i can just tell you right now like the difference in the difference in star players or professional athletes and other guys who are really good and and appear to be just as good but never make it, I believe is is one hundred percent mental. It's a different gear. It's the diff it's the ability to shift when the pressure's on. And yeah. um, but it can it can change at the major league level. There's a couple guys that I've talked to there that are two different scenarios, right? Um, well, one that I've talked to and one that I watched on this unfold, one of them being Gavin Floyd. Gavin Floyd had that same look on his face when he was pitching for the Phillies, right? Mm. He looked petrified. And I'll never forget looking at his face during an interview going, this guy is scared to death. Yeah. They trade him to the White Sox and he shines. Yeah, stub. Um, yeah. Sometimes you need a change of venue. Another guy, for example, Dominic Brown. I've spoken with Dominic Brown about this, and it's a really interesting conversation. I mean, physical specimen, right? Has all the tools um, to be a star player. Comes up, um, frustrated the hell out of Charlie, by the way. Like, that was a guy who just, Charlie, just, he, Dom had been told his entire life how great he was. He never had to actually work hard or over work harder to overcome anything because he was always the best, the strongest. And so by the time he got to the big leagues, Dom had actually gotten to the point where he was hitting some adversity and didn't know how to handle it. And he soaked up all that pitching stuff that Cliff Lees and, you know, had to offer in terms of what, he, they were looking at with the other pitcher. Like he, he knew the right questions to ask, but really struggled to adjust. And now he's coaching young kids and teaching them all these things. And he said, if I knew then, if I was coached like this and I knew these things when I was younger and had to work on them, I would have had a much longer career in the major leagues. So, you know, there's different personalities that you, you hit something at the wrong time and you might not be able to capitalize on it soon enough. Yeah, so do you think Dom Brown is Scott Kingery is Alec Bohm? You know, because uh, it yeah. kind of feels the same. They had this little short explosive portion and then nothing. Yeah, Kingery is an interesting one, right? Like he's somebody who I just thought was going to snap out of it. And then it just hasn't, right? It just doesn't. 
Um, Bohm and, and Brown to me are more similar in that they're both, it's their physical specimens, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Scott Kingery could be my, you know, 16 year old son. Like he's, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have the physical, that's what made, you know, the fact he was such a good player. Like, I think for someone like him, what mentally is he struggling to overcome? Yeah. That's, you know, Just, I look at somebody like that. That's more of a, that's more of a, uh, psychological thing. Just, just, just to touch on Alec Boom. I mean, figure the last two years you've had COVID. You know, you had the lockout earlier, you know, the last almost 100 days last year. Alec Boehm was, I believe, was runner-up to rookie of the year two years ago. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they just want to dump the guy, and it's like, yeah. you know, you talk about writing the guy off. I mean, how do you expect the guy to, like, shine if you really don't give him a chance? You know, like you said, Leslie, you know, let him have some time back in the minors and, you know, see where it goes from there. Just to, like, throw the guy away and watch this guy, like, God for, you know, go somewhere else and be an MVP, MVP candidate for years yeah. to come or whatever. If you don't have the emotional makeup to play in Philadelphia, it's very hard to have to learn on the job. All right. Leslie, let me just interject here real quick. Um, with all that being said about the Phillies this year and some of the moves they've made, and obviously they're they're improved. Everything that I'm hearing on sports radio here, um, all the pundits, all the sports personalities, with all that being said about the offense, this team is still going to be a dumpster fire defensively. I don't know what your take is on it, but that's what I'm hearing on radio around here. Yeah, I mean, look, there obviously you can't. <laughs> You, that, that's a part of the game that, that makes a difference, right? That's why I'm hoping that we have, you know, a healthy infield that we have. We got spoiled with really good defense for a long time, right? I mean, that was one thing that, that the teams, um, you know, the teams in the, the uh, you know, that 08 team and a lot of those guys, I mean, we saw a lot of good defense. Um, minus Ryan Howard, you know, not – trying to turn a double play, you know, and, and praying that he gets the ball to Jimmy, you know, if he got it yeah. first. You know, aside from that, I mean, we've really, we've had some really good defensive players. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, that's going to play itself out, right? I mean, we could have, is this going to be a team that hits so many, uh, scores so many runs? I mean, you have three, I think, you know, between uh, Castellanos and Schwarber and Harper, I think those three guys were top 10 in OPS last year, right? right. Like that, it, it, that's that, you know, you're going to have some guys who um, you're going to have a little more patience at the plate. You've got the ability to go, you know, left, right, um, be able to switch that up. Um, the DH is going to make a difference. Hitting's not going to be an issue, Right. So um, pitching and defense win ball games. Like how, how many times have we heard that? My concern is pitching depth. My concern is always the bullpen. Um, you know, uh, Hector Neris, my son used to call him heart attack Hector. Thank God we don't have to, you know, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was stressful every time, right? So what are we going to see this year um, from the bullpen that they've put together? So uh, – I think it's going to be very interesting to see because the biggest problem that this team has had in the past is pitching depth. And after guys have gone down, they haven't had guys who can come up and fill the void. So um, depth is always my concern with this pitching staff. That seems Grab Fuji. I was going to say that seems to be the issue because they haven't drafted well over the years. Talk about having one of the worst farm systems in baseball. You got to go out and, Spend a hundred million here or eighty million here, but you know you don't have guys to bring up. Mike Arbuckle was tremendous um, uh, in his role as assistant GM under Ed Wade. Ed Wade was a far better GM than he ever got credit for. They revamped the minor league system. They did a tremendous job. Um, you know, I think Ruben doesn't get the credit um, that he deserves to. Uh, now I'm biased because he, uh, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. But I just, um, 
his issues when he became GM were a lot of health related. I mean, he'd be the first to tell you that Cliff trading like Cliff Lee wasn't his brightest move, but they're, you know, they had some good teams and then they had injuries. So health is always a factor it is always a factor. So that, mm. that plays out in September and it can make or break you. Well, I mean, if you want to go, I don't want to go back way to 1970s and 80, but I mean, you had Paul Allen's and, Dallas Green, who knew talent. I mean, they could dip into their farm system. Go back to 1980, Marty Boystrom, Bob Wolf. Yep. You know, guys that, you know, everybody contributed. Keith Moreland, Lonnie Smith, guys they brought up the challenge. Bob Boone, Greg Lazinski, the guys that were getting older. Yep. It was a nice mix that Dallas Green put together. He knew he was in that conductor's chair, knew every right button to push. I know the players didn't like him, but hey, they, they finally got rid of the ghost of, you know, baseball's past, and they won it in 1980. Yeah. And Dallas knew once he got to Chicago to pick up Ryan Sandberg as one of his first moves. So, yes. Yvonne De Jesus for Larry Bow and Ryan Sandberg yeah. was a throw in. Yeah. No, it's funny because it, during the, uh, when Charlie's appearance, now you're talking about Dallas Green, I asked Charlie if he was, if, he ever heard anyone comparing him to Dallas Green because of the run both managers had made. And it's funny how he said, I'm, I don't keep up with that stuff. I don't know. So if anyone never did, I have no idea. Which is, you know, again, something that, that Charlie, because being humble the way he is, if if someone did, he didn't worry about the comparison. He just worried about what he could possibly add to what Dallas Green did many years ago. But I know the last time we had you on, Leslie, and, and again, thanks and for everyone who's tuning in tonight. By the way, Leslie Goodell with us this evening. We do appreciate it. Uh, Fuji was on assignment on Tuesday, and this was the assignment. It was to have Leslie on, so that's why he wasn't on the show on, on Tuesday. At least I'll put it that way. But the last time we had you on, that you know, convinced. I mean, it's not like he <laughs> the night off to try to get me on the show. I had a well, usually I come up with an excuse. The last time I, I, I'm almost certain, Fuji, if I remember correctly, I think I told him he was, he was out in Alaska somewhere trying to get a lacrosse team put together when he, uh, when he got ill earlier this year, but. So, because I usually, if he takes a night off, I always make something interesting. That way, everybody can be like, "Where's Fuji at?" Because usually, that's the comments I end up getting after the show. But Angel's just being a smart Alec. That's all. <laughs> no. Oh, but we speaking of before I even get to that last thing, there's a picture that I want to show you that it, it's funny because TV12, which is a great friend, where is it? Because I want to find it here. I know I still have it somewhere. Uh, Hopefully, it's not gone. But uh, you know, you love it. You want to go there? Huh? Now nah, you know you love it. Where is it? I've uh, seen now. I'm gonna have to find it because I know it. Nope, here it is. So Fuji was excited about this particular thing here because his his best friend was pointing to him and he couldn't wait until he came back. So you can see Fuji already had his drink in hand and Tom Brady pointed over to him because he, he loved the fact that Tom Brady came back. So I just want to put it out there. So for, I have, uh, for Fuji. I have a Tom Brady story for you. So when I, I did um, a couple years of sideline, three years of sideline reporting uh, for college football games for ABC Sports, and my first assignment, I had to fill in for Jack Aroot with Brent Musburger and Gary Danielson. Scared to death, right? It was Michigan and Wisconsin. Tom Brady was the starting quarterback, but it was the first game they were platooning him because some guy named Drew Henson was supposed to be the rising star. And they had actually moved Brady from full-time starter to platooning him with Henson. Brady got knocked silly in the first quarter and went out with a concussion. But, I mean, I, I look back on that and I think, wow. I mean, look where we are now. All right. That's true. Six-round six pick, 199. Who yeah. would have thought? I know. To me, I don't think any, obviously no one saw it. And in a gym like that, you may not. And and again, of course, those of us in Philly, we're very fortunate. We saw round two like Rocky when it came to us being the Patriots, because you had to, to be the best. As always said, you got to beat the best. And that was great to see. Then, of course, being down here in Tampa, I got to see him do it down here and not physically in the stadium, but you can. It's funny because there's not enough Bucks fans to fill a bar here locally. But they, they made the run. They win the Super Bowl. It was like five minutes later, you don't see the Bucks fans again. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. But unfortunately, you don't see them around here again. But the last time we had you on, Leslie, because I want to go back to it, was you were working on something. 
and as you had, had informed us that you were getting ready to start something up. So I want to know if you're still at liberty to mention what you were planning on starting up and how far along have you gotten? Yeah. So, uh, oh, that's right. That was right beforehand. Uh, um, so I joined um, with the guy, Pat Waters, a uh, longtime marketing executive, uh, also owns a company called Sports Vault, uh, which is memorabilia. So uh, Pat's been doing that for over 20 years and he approached me about starting a sports agency and so what we did was we folded in his two existing businesses uh strategic sports marketing and uh sports vault and we set out to raise um two million dollars where we just uh raised our minimum of 1.1 million we're still looking for investors to round out the raise and once we've reached the two million we'll work on launching elevate sports and media uh, so we'll focus on football and right now we're focusing on NIL and, and those, uh, and some of those college players that we really want to help build a brand. So they always have something to fall back on, um, whether it's during their pro career or when they're done, that's really important to me that guys have something to fall back on. Well, listen, we do appreciate you coming on with us. We know you have to go and then we're coming as to the end of the show as well. But Leslie, thank you for not only again, for the years you provided for us, to at least to watch you do your magic. And we hope to see you someday do it again. If not, one day you can come down here to the Tampa studios here and just be here in the green room with me. And then we'll, we'll go back and forth here with some nostalgic times. But listen, thank you so much. I tried to invite D-Gun tonight. D-Gun is taking care of his grandbaby. So he said that uh, he couldn't make it, but he does send his, his best wishes because right. I was hoping to have both of you guys on at the same time, which would have been kind of neat and a surprise for you. But you were real busy dude. tonight. Great dude. Yeah, absolutely awesome for sure. But listen, thank you once again. And by the way, I want you to make sure that you didn't mention the save the date for your daughter here, the second annual Kendall's Crusade. So let everyone know where they can go for that. If there's the particular website, which I know which one it is, but if you want to Kendall'sCrusade.org. Um, and if it's not up, it should be up tomorrow, our registration page. So we only take 19 foursomes because everybody's golfing one-handed, playing nine holes golfing one-handed. So we don't want to back up. And then we have a great party afterwards with Tim Williams band and, and uh, it's great fun. It's at white Marsh Valley country club. So um, if it's not up right now, uh, please check back in the next couple of days, candlescrusade.org come out and join us. It's a fun day. That's good. Good to hear. And, and hopefully goose will make it back out there again with you guys. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm. Pr I I'll make sure I remind him because I I know he said he was going to do it. He was excited when you gave him the second invite, so he was absolutely thrilled when you invited him the first time around. And great guy, absolutely great guy. So hopefully, I'll make it back out there again. But to everyone who tuned in tonight, I see one more comment that's jumping in here. Chris, uh, where can I get a drunk Phil shirt? Looks great. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So we're actually selling them on phillysportstees.com. Uh, and we are donating 100% of the profits uh, this month to the Ukraine Humanitarian Fund. Uh, everything sold in January and February, we donated to the Darren Dalton Foundation. So we're continuing to all of our profits going to um, not-for-profits. That's Very awesome. Very nice. And Pooji, you had, uh, you had one more mention as well for Al? Yeah, the, our friends over at... Uh... This Saturday over at Edge of Philly Sports are doing a or having a fundraiser at the Red excuse me, the Red Lantern Tavern. Um thirty dollars a head. Um Freddie's son is fighting leukemia two years old. You know, everybody come on out. There's plenty of uh, baskets of cheer, a lot of uh Folks, you know, donating jerseys, the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Union, the Eagles. Everybody come on out for this great cause. Al Zafiri and those guys, Tom Kelly, Edge of Philly Sports, uh, Jamie, the Philly Sports guy will be in attendance. I'll be there. Everybody come on out if you can. If not, make a donation because we're trying to raise money for little Freddie. And if, you, if anybody can join us, out there in Delaware County, um, you know, inbox me for any directions or whatever to get out there. But see if anybody can come out there. I do appreciate it. I just wanted to put that out there to everybody tonight. You know, just if, if you can give to the cause, 
they would appreciate it. And thanks for your time. No, listen, not, not a problem. We hope that everyone needs the advice and able to, to, to do so to go out there. But again, thanks to our sponsors, the Tampa Joe's phillysportstrips.com. Again, Vince Rizzuto doing a great job. If you guys want to travel and travel with the pros, please visit phillysportstrips.com. You can visit right through broadstreetsouth.com, broadstsouth.com. Also for Larry Gillen for naming the studio, the LG Direct Sales Solution Studios. We do thank Larry for that, along with Big Star Sports Talk, the Super Draft Pro, and also for tomorrow, if you guys, again, happen to be in Tampa, over by Blake High School, please come out there as I'll probably be a nervous wreck but you guys can come out there and support the Tampa Bay Titans. I will be making my first official professional broadcast ever. So play-by-play, play, I'll be doing all the calls on Friday and then again on Sundays. So if you want to stop by Blake High School in Tampa, right next to Armature Works, come out there. Game starts at 7.30 on Friday. They will be giving away free mugs for the first 50 folks. And also, you'll get a free ticket for Sunday's game that starts at 6 o'clock on Sunday. So if you guys happen to be in the area, please come out there and come visit. Leslie, again, I appreciate you coming on. We thank you so much. And let the fine folks also know exactly where they can find you if they want to reach out to you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, any social channels. I'm My Instagram and Twitter, you know, Twitter's obviously public. My Instagram's public as well. Both are at Leslie Goodell. And, um, yeah, I'm usually pretty responsive unless I'm crazy busy. And sometimes it takes me a while. But, yes, love to hear from everybody. All right, not a problem. And again, for Debbie, the producer in Studio B, for Mike Fuji, Ryan F., our next correspondent, for Chris from the Drunk Phil's fans, I'm Angel. We hope everyone has a great night. We will see you next Tuesday. And don't forget, April 5th, Rob Motti will be on with us. So we hope to see you all come next week. Have a great weekend.